Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guests today are Catherine Zhao and Megan Crespi in an interview conducted at a recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. Catherine is the Global Head of Ventures for Digital Innovation and Partnerships at HSBC, a financial services giant with revenues exceeding $56 billion annually. Megan is the Chief Operations and Technology Officer for Comerica Bank, a more than 150-year-old bank with revenues exceeding $3 billion annually. In this interview, we discuss how barriers to digital adoption are dissolving out of necessity, how Comerica has transformed to enhance the customer experience and is using the pandemic as an opportunity to break down barriers and reach new demographics as work becomes more remote. We also discuss three areas HSBC looks at regarding innovation and profit pools, big tech, the Eastern Hemisphere, and fintech, and why it's every person's job to innovate at HSBC, not just the innovation team's job, and a variety of other topics. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book's now available on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. As a special offer to our CXO listeners, if you purchase the book for you and your team, I'd be happy to join your team for a group discussion on it. To learn more, write us at information at metastrategy.com or visit gettingtonimble.com. Thank you. And now for a word from our partner, Tanium, and the company's co-founder and chief executive officer, Orion Hindawi. Orion wanted to take a moment to provide some recommendations for CXOs in charge of technology and digital about how best to manage the cybersecurity landscape. Yeah, so our customers, I think, are realizing there are three things that they really need to be secure. The first is they have way too many products. And as a result of that, they're unable to operate all these products well, and there are holes in their security posture that are created as a result. Many of our customers have 20 or 30 or sometimes 50 different tools. And if they can move to a platform approach, they have a much higher chance of succeeding. The second thing that a lot of our customers are realizing is they need certain visibility on their environment. Every asset where it is, who's using it, what data's on it, what vulnerabilities it has, and to really be able to trust that they have three or four nines confidence in that data set instead of, in some cases, 85 or 90% confidence, which in reality leaves way, way too much of a surface area of vulnerability. And the third one is they need to be able to remediate problems they find instantaneously at scale, globally, even over slow links, even over devices that are not easy to reach. Because without that capability, unfortunately, even if you know that there's a problem, you're still going to get hit by the security event that comes after it because you can't fix it in time. And so between that platform approach, being able to have really, really comprehensive visibility and having really strong control, our customers are seeing a huge upgrade in their capability. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Sales teams have CRM systems. Human resources leverage HRM systems. What about the CIO who needs to evolve from a technology expert to a business strategist? In this digital first world, CIOs and their CFO counterparts must ensure technology decisions are made to deliver business value. It's easier said than done. That's why Aptio, the market leader in technology business management, is committed to helping companies manage, plan and optimise their technology spend. After all, champions of change need actionable insights they can trust. Learn more at aptio.com. And now on to the interview. I'm looking forward to this conversation, technology and innovation in financial services. Uh, I'm joined by Megan Crespi, the Chief Operations and Technology Officer of Comerica Bank, as well as Catherine Zhao, the Global Head of Venture, Digital Innovation and Partnerships at HSBC. Uh, ladies, it's great to see you both. Great to be here. 
Great to be here, Peter. Excellent. Well, so uh, I'd love to, uh, Megan, start with you, if I may. Um, you, as I mentioned, uh, are the uh, Chief Operations and Technology Officer of Comerica, a role you took on almost exactly when we all went into quarantine. We'll get we'll get to that very point in a moment. Uh, I got to know you initially when you were the Chief Technology Officer of Ally. You were at Ally for some time and, and uh, General Motors prior to that. Um, and I thought we would begin, you know, you, last time you and I had a chance to catch up, you were talking about how during this time of uh, pandemic quarantine, the, the changes that so many of us have had to go through as a result of this, there have been some surprising conclusions about digital adoption. Uh, some of it one, one might expect that the digital native um, uh, folks among us, those younger than, than, than all of us, uh, you know, <laughs> took to this in various ways that, that were mind boggling because of their uh, fluency of the what what for many of us were becoming the new ways of living, new ways of working. Um, however, it wasn't limited to them by any stretch of the imagination. And as a, as a leader that needs to think about a a set of customers that spans uh, spans ages, spans all sorts of demographics, I know it's something you've been analyzing. Can you share some of what you've learned uh, from from analyzing some of that data, please? Yeah, absolutely, Peter. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Uh, you know, this is a really interesting topic for me in particular. As you mentioned, I came from Ally Bank most recently. And for those of you who are familiar with Ally, um, it has a pretty significant auto finance uh, component, but also a digital only retail bank. And so, you know, in my purview and from my perspective, digital is a language I've been speaking for a long time, even though I'm not millennial or, you know, Gen Z uh, and beyond. As I came to Comerica, which for those of you who may not know, is a 170-year-old um, you know, bank here in the U.S. Uh, with a primarily commercial focus, very, very different in a lot of ways, a lot of context. And as I imagined what my first year would be like, it's very different uh, than what this past year has been. Certainly COVID plays a big role. I haven't yet kind of met my team in person as I started in late March. But what occurred to me really as I started with Comerica is that we were no longer um, needing to focus on that attracting that millennial, that next gen consumer. You know, my daughter who's 17 was teaching my dad who's 70 plus uh, how to grocery shop from his phone. That was a pivotal moment, right? Barriers to digital adoption were dissolving out of necessity. You know, there was that point in time, March, April, and unfortunately, again, to different degrees now, where it just wasn't safe for him to leave his house. And when your four walls are really the only place where you find safety, you all of a sudden out of necessity uh, begin to do things like adopt the ability to grocery shop online. So for me, the big takeaway was, as you think about that um, kind of demographic difference, uh, attracting new customers from emerging demographics versus retaining your existing customers across all, that idea of the 21st century consumer, as my former boss used to describe it, really came to the forefront. And so to the extent that Comerica has a slightly different business model and certainly has a rich heritage and legacy as a relationship bank, finding that balance to be able to augment those relationship capabilities with those things that are really digital that help uh, a new business model emerge. 
That's interesting. Staying with you for just a moment more, uh, and by the way, I can only imagine your excitement in recognizing that you were no longer the help desk for your father, but your your daughter was. That must have also <laughs> yeah. been thrilling for you. Um, I, I so yours is a uh, is certainly not a digital native organization. You mentioned you're more than a century old. This is quite a cultural transformation, uh, mind you. I'm sure a, a transformation that's been happening since the before the ten or eleven months uh, ago that you joined. But um, as you mentioned, it's, it was not a digital first bank, and in perhaps some ways that Ally itself, of course, an organization that also went through a transformation under your leadership. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of deciphering a little bit of? I, I realize it's a, it's a broad topic potentially, but some of the key uh, areas uh, that an organization like yours transformed in order to. Um, change the organization and its culture more towards where business was going as opposed to where it's been. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. And and I think what's key here is is sort of one of the last things I just mentioned, which is honoring that rich legacy and tradition as a relationship bank. That's how our bread has been buttered for a very long time. You can't abandon that and all of a sudden turn to a fully automated approach to your customers. It's not what they expect. Um, and it's not what we're best at, to be frank. So during this time frame, how do we really think about omni-channel? How do we really think about ensuring that we have, from a technology perspective, the ability to connect um, all of the touch points that a customer may have with us in real time to make a more seamless experience? We're not there yet completely. I don't want to pretend like over the last year or even the, the great work that was done prior to my joining that, that we're done. Um, I don't actually think anybody is, uh, to, to be honest. But planting those seeds, seeing those use cases that have become very, very real, we're understanding that someone who starts a transaction on one of our digital properties um, you know, may need contextual help and chat and may then need to move from chat to an actual call center interaction. And they don't wanna start all over again and explain everything they've been through. None of that's new per se, but I will tell you that given those emerging use cases, it's become much more real. Uh, and as a result, I think we can all put ourselves in the driver's seat in terms of being able to understand, you know, what you would most want out of an experience and build that into the experiences that, that we're bringing forward for our uh, customers. I like I like that empathetic note that you're talking about, uh, yeah. and and almost the golden rule uh, applied to the way in which you think about products and how they would be unrolled. Um, Catherine, I mentioned um, that you are the global head of ventures, digital innovation, and partnerships at HSBC. Newer to your role, even than Megan is to hers, you're a couple of months into into that post. So I realize there's a great deal of dynamism uh, going on there at, at the moment. When you and I caught up recently, you talked about how. You're driving uh, group level efforts to uncover new profit pools, alternative business models, while leading changes from the outside in. Um, and as I mentioned, still relatively early in your tenure. But I wonder if you could share some of your early thinking about how best to foster the development of new profit pools, as you put it, uh, and alternative business models. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I I resonated with what Megan said. Uh, Comerica is a 150 year old uh, bank. Uh, same as the HSBC. HSBC is a 155-year-old bank, uh, and we are in 65 countries, and we have uh, 2.7 trillion dollar assets under management. Um, and we, we we have 235,000 people worldwide. Uh, so really, uh, when I look at uh, across the, the globe, uh, in my short tenure here, 
there's innovation happening everywhere. Uh, pockets of innovation at all stages, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, my role is to really harness entire groups uh, innovation and to make sure that we really bet on the right big bets and, and drive the group's agenda forward. Right? We are a big humongous elephant. So how do we, how we, how do we teach the elephant to dance uh, and, and dance at the speed which uh, the outside world is, is dancing? And then not only keep up with the outside world, but also uh, play a leadership role because our name and reputation are global uh, importance, frankly. And right, we are the largest trade finance provider in the world. Uh, every one of the two ocean liners in, in the in the ocean is financed by HSBC. So we're really, really carrying the weight of the, the global world order. And so it's it's both an obligation and a, and obviously financially and societal wise. So when we identify the new uh, profit pools, uh, we really want to take a page from, from two uh, or three worlds. One is cross industry. So we do, do not just look at the financial services. We look at the, the, the giant, the big tech, right? So we have uh, strategic partnerships with the likes of Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, so that, that's one more, uh, dimension. The second dimension is we look at the, uh, uh, the East. So. Uh, as we all know, uh, you know, a lot of the innovations happening in the East, particularly China and Singapore, uh, with the, you know, the likes of Alibaba, the, you know, Tencent and the Ping'an, where they have these, uh, I would say, uh, less respect for uh, banks stay in the bank lane, <laughs> banks can swim in other lanes, in the social, in e-commerce, in uh, gaming and you know uh, so that right really we, we see a convergence of many uh, I say verticals playing in one super app if that's a simple analogy I can use so we want to understand the implication of those business models and how does it translate to the Western culture so we obviously are deep rooted as a British bank but uh, how do we how do we really adapt to the the new world where the consumers or the clients are expecting? Uh, you know, universal accessibility of the finance, uh, whether for consumer and for business, all in the immersive experience of the point of needs, right? Whether being point of sales at the uh, the retail, uh, either e-commerce or physical store, or it's uh, um, Microsoft, um, say the, you know, point of sale purchasing of the next generation cloud uh, service. So we, we really want to be uh, everywhere embedded into the point of needs. So, so that's right. We, we look at other industry, we look at the, uh, the East, and then we also look at the, uh, frankly, the, uh, I would say where uh, the FinTech, uh, right, really the particularly FinTech where the edge is. So the, the center is always slow. When I came to HSBC, we said every single person is not just innovation team's job to do innovation. Every single person has a job to do innovation. And the innovation team also has a job to do BAU. So uh, we, we, it, it, innovation got to happen everywhere. So we look at where the, the FinTech is. They're, they're always faster and agile. And we really want to take outside in perspective to drive what they're seeing into the, into the center uh, and, and really make us better and more fit. So those yeah. are the dimensions by which we're looking at the, where the next profit pool is coming from.
That's fantastic. I appreciate you giving that overview. So we've talked a bit about, you've talked about your vision of establishing these ecosystems. My words, not yours, but I think that fairly encapsulates this uh, notion that you're describing so eloquently. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, your own philosophy about innovation within the enterprise. Uh, before your time at, at HSBC, again, uh, enrolled in, in now about two months, you were the uh, EVP and head of cons uh, the Consumer Bank at East West Bank. You were a partner at three different major consulting firms before and through that role uh, influenced a great number of organizations uh, around the world. Um, there are those who say that innovation should be everyone's responsibility. Uh, the, the, the cynic might say, well, if it's everyone's responsibility, it's really no one's. Uh, yeah. There are others that say that a small cadre of people ought to have that as their sole focus and certainly draw insights from others as well. Talk a bit about what you've seen work best, the extent to which you can paint with a bit of a broad brushstroke. So there's really no right answer. I think it's a wh whichever organization find a way that makes it, make it work for them. And the, what I think, uh, and I, I I resonate with one of the speakers, uh, uh, you know, points in terms of it, it got. So what we're doing at HSBC is uh, so frankly it doesn't matter, and we don't want to be a police role. We, I, right? I personally hate the word of governance. So governance means you you don't trust and empower the whoever the edge is. Uh, so I, I don't think it's 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 a governance. It's it's more about orchestration and creating the network. Apple Store. Look at the Apple Store, right? Apple doesn't govern a particular app. Apple put out the store, and whoever wants to thrive on the store, it needs to be abide by the rules, right? Certain rules on how to play on the network, and then you play. So there's a you know duplication of apps. There's a sort of the I would say the competition of the apps. But we're all actually driving toward the great uh, greatness of the whole, right? Overall, so with a certain compromises. So I, I think our role internally is to provide that guardrail, the, the standards, or the right, the big do do's and don'ts, and to make sure that people can see the big picture while moving forward. Innovation, right? Ultimately, people have to pay price. It, it, it fast fail, fail forward. So as long as we fail forward, learn from the previous lessons, and then understand how do we, uh, you know, earn the, the the permission to go forward. That that's that's what we're striving for. So I, I think the your 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 point of the question is on how do we drive internal innovation. We really want to take a both outside in, right? Leveraging outside yeah. you know, the ecosystem partner. That's given for sure. We cannot just put the blinders on. Internally, we want to uh, have a very business-led, a use case driven approach to be agile. It's not just IT agile. It got to be business case, business use case driven agile. Business, technology, uh, right? We, we put the cross-disciplinary team together starting to, it's not perfect everywhere, but it's business plus technology plus compliance plus risk. Uh, plus, um, uh, I say enabling uh, functions together, and uh, it's decision makers, senior decision makers, and content owners. Less of a sort of PM and and uh, do the process checks, status checks. It's about content. Do we have a valuable solution? Do we have the right people in the room? And in startups, you see super days, right? Super days is where ten people product to tech to compliance sitting in one room, and we're going to launch this thing with or without. Uh, you know, a bunch of resources or luxury of time uh, right. this weekend. So how how do we really, uh, that, that's the page I want to take from a smaller places to HSBC. Yep. And obviously mitigating the risk and all the things we have to do as a big gigantic bank, but still move uh, at the faster pace. So change culture one time a day. 
Great. That's a great overview there, Catherine. Thank you so much. Uh, Megan, we have a, just a couple of minutes left. I want to give you the last word here. Um, you know, despite the crisis, there's still a, a war for talent that is, is very much raging. And that war for talent is now on many different fronts. Um, an employee in Detroit, where, where, you're, where you are based, uh, can now seek work uh, more actively and, and more successfully than in years past in a place like the Bay Area or, or Manhattan or na name another city, London, if they're willing to uh, do the hours uh, of a different country. And, um, and, and they have the opportunity to, to, to think about things a little bit differently. You have, you've developed some non-traditional talent pools, I know, um, as you've thought a little bit more about ways to fill in those gaps. Can you take just in the sort of 90 seconds we have left, can you give a, a brief overview of that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, to your point, uh, we have a broader swath of the market now that's addressable for us uh, from a talent perspective. Geography isn't the barrier it once was, as you said, uh, but neither should some other demographics. I mean, for us, uh, we've been very focused on, you know, partnering with other groups here in the Metro Detroit area, um, you know, getting women back to work who are interested in rejoining the workforce after a break for whatever reason they may have had. Um, you know, veterans, um, programs for differently abled talent. Uh, in particular, we're working with a couple of partners um, that are, uh, have specialized training programs for, for people on the autism spectrum uh, who are training uh, for work in cybersecurity or in application development and so on, software engineering. Uh, and so from our perspective, it's, you know, really looking at all of the demographics um, and, and thinking about how to break, break down barriers that have not traditionally uh, enabled uh, certain segments of what should be the addressable workforce to do work, uh, you know, in technology, in operations, in cybersecurity, and so on. So we've been really excited about putting some of those programs together, um, creating a value proposition around that. Uh, because just as the folks in Detroit have the opportunity to work in other parts of the world, so goes that people in other parts of the world have the opportunity to work for Comerica and we want to be uh, an employer of choice. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Megan Crespi, uh, Catherine Zhao, thank you so much for this great conversation, sharing a bit of your perspectives of how you've managed through these challenging times, how you've personally done so as well, onboarding at your different companies uh, during a time of quarantine. Um, you know, Best of luck to you both and thank you so much for a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Peter.